Joining us for episode 30 of Geezers of Gear. Today's episode is brought to you by ACT Lighting. ACT is North America's leading distributor of entertainment technology products with top brands that include MA Lighting, Ayrton, Chainmaster, Robert Joliet, and custom cable assemblies and solutions from Rapco Horizon, Proco, and Roadhog. ACT is dedicated to supporting leading artists, designers, technicians, and suppliers in the industry by identifying cutting-edge, disruptive technologies that inspire creative vision and advance the boundaries of live events and installations. ACT has 600 employees who are each dedicated to providing exemplary service and support and ensuring the show goes on by maintaining inventory and 24-7 technical expertise in nine locations throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Visit Act Lighting today at Infocom or at actlighting.com. Quadraphonic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so here we are. Episode number. What number is it? Henry? 31. It is 31. That's what I thought. Or is what? it 30? We just talked know. about this. I don't know. Now we can't remember. I can't remember either. It's, it's either 30 It's a lot or of podcasting we've done, for sure. We've done a few podcasts, uh, and we are now on episode 31. Yeah, yeah so I did guess right. All we right. Did. <laughs> yeah, we actually, uh, uh, I don't know if Henry told you, but we just had uh, Ken in, the founder of EAW. So oh, yeah, was, he mentioned that. Uh, that was yeah. really interesting. He's That's a very, cool. very, very knowledgeable, interesting guy. So um, now we have... Uh, Electrosonics. We have a gentleman from Electrosonics named Carl, Carl Winkler. Winkler, and uh, we said that in stereo. We're trying to have a higher end podcast here, so it's broadcast in fake stereo, wannabe stereo. So um, Carl was just telling us a little bit about Electrosonic, but uh, I think what we're going to do is kind of hear it directly from you. So what is it sure. that you guys do? We're mostly known for wireless microphones used in the film and television industry. More recently. A lot of Broadway productions are using Electrosonics. Theme parks, as you mentioned before, like SeaWorld uses our watertight units. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they're out there on tours, on uh, rock guitar players, things like that as well. Pretty much anywhere where you need high-end, high-performance wireless, you'll find Electrosonics. We also make a line of audio processing engines, uh, auto mixers, matrix units, audio conferencing. Oh. And those are used in government facilities, uh, courtrooms, boardrooms, and stuff like that. I did like not that. know that. I thought you guys yeah. were hardcore wireless, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, we do, we do some of that as well. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you're not competing with the Chinese brands and stuff. Are you U.S. made? U.S. made, in and out. Uh, our facility in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, does the metal work, the circuit board manufacturing, uh, the plastic injection molding, all assembly and testing. It's all done in-house. That's very impressive. It's, uh, you know, anytime you see, especially in the electronics industry, anytime you see someone who is still fully manufactured in the United States, that's a real commitment to obviously, you know, providing the best product and service and support to your customer. And uh, that's very, very impressive. So what, what would you say is your core market? So I know you were saying you do theme parks, you do broadcasts, yeah. you do... 
But what's what's probably the biggest market that you support today? Film and television production. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so our core just, market. Yeah, yeah, so you need ultra high reliability um, stuff, so you don't get dropouts. Obviously, when you're yeah. recording wirelessly, right? Absolutely. So I, I know I've known personally that you know for a long time since we do deal with your gear that I mean, Electrosonics is at the apex of of wireless broadcasting. So um, I find that you know quite interesting. But if you could explain a little bit of the technology behind that. So, you know, for example, okay, you know, you have obviously, you know, the Sennheisers out there, you have the Shures out there, you have mm -hmm. the HMEs. Yeah. And I would imagine you spend a lot of time, number one, you know, uh, I guess engineering for the integrity of, of radio, uh, radio frequency transmission and then its sure. reception and that reliability. Yes. So, I mean, can you explain a little bit how, like, you would differ and, you know, you can name a, comp uh, well, a pseudo competitor or not, but what makes Electrosonics different than, you know, sure with two giant, you know, antenna paddles out there or, you know, Sennheiser stuff. Sure. And those are both excellent brands that make, you know, very good products. Mm -hmm. uh, each of those brands has focused on different market segments. I would say sure has long focused on, um, live performance, touring, that kind of thing, as well as churches. Uh, Sennheiser's may be best known in like Broadway theatricals, things like that. Mm -hmm. So their product lines are a little bit different. And our focus came out of uh, news and, uh, and movie production. All right. So, you know, the product lines have some overlaps in some areas where we're distinct and unique. And the technology that's gone into it reflects that as well. You know, if your focus is going to be uh, putting wireless into a conference room, um, most likely you're going to try to make it very user-friendly, uh, bulletproof uh, in terms of just walk in and grab a unit and, and it works. And go, yeah. And, and be very low-tech in terms of the interface and so on. Uh, and you might want a whole bunch of them to work in a little tiny piece of spectrum. But you're not so concerned with range and you're not maybe so concerned with audio quality. Uh, ours is the opposite. As you said, with film production, you've got millions of dollars hanging on you know this shoot that you're doing with these big name actors so you're not going to want to hassle the actors you want the units to be very very small you want them to sound absolutely transparent and neutral and have excellent range uh, and just give you no trouble so that's our that's been our focus is is that sort of scenario that's uh... you just have to have it work you know we were talking this morning uh, we had griff palmer in from Disguise. Disguise. Thank you. I wanted to call it D3, but it's Disguise, and they're a media server company. But they were, uh, you know, one of their areas also is they're, they're starting to move into television production. And, you know, if you screw something up, you know, and you have to waste an hour, you have to do a, a retake, that can be anything from a couple hundred thousand to a couple of million dollars at that point, right? That's right. So I would imagine yeah. when the technology craps out, that has a very, very high cost of, of, you know, of, of a retake or a stress. reshoot. Yeah, of stress, right? <laughs> a lot of stress. No question. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So with, with our, you know, and I guess we're going to really geek out on this because we're, we're doing the deep dive on, yeah. on wireless technology here. So you're broadcasting. So what what is it about the electrosonic stuff that gives you the broadcast integrity where other brands don't have quite as much? So I guess I'm, I'm yeah, trying to be I, very diplomatic here, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure, of course. And like I say, you know, we, we respect the other companies very well. And uh, I used to work at one of them myself. It, you know, it's, they're good quality companies. I would say what sets it apart, first off, is the uh, design and construction of the product itself. And as I mentioned, it's manufactured, you know, designed and manufactured in one facility uh, with close contact with the customer. So we're looking for customer input in terms of the, the physical attributes, the form factor, the, you know, the interface itself. 
and things like that. And then it's manufactured to extremely tight tolerances, both on the mechanical side and the electronic side. So right away, it's, you know, it's like if you want to build a race car, you know, use the best components and you have extremely tight tolerances. And from there, we developed our own uh, patented technology for the transmission. It's called Digital Hybrid Wireless. And actually, two years ago, we received an Academy Award for it because it's used on nearly every movie that's made. Wow. And so, you know, again, that very natural dialogue capture where you just, you're not paying attention to the technology. You're not even thinking about the fact that Anne Hathaway is wearing, you know, a lav mic and a transmitter. You just watch the movie and you're absorbed. And that's part of it is uh, this technology which digitizes the audio and then converts it to a proprietary format for transmission over analog wireless, and then it's reconstructed at the other end. And, you know, all wireless manufacturers face the fact that the signal has to go through a very narrow pipeline that's defined by the FCC. You know, mm -hmm. here's your band, occupied bandwidth, and it has to fit into a certain mask. It's called spectral mask. And so we found a way to increase the amount of information and detail that you're sending over this this very narrow pipeline, and that's the digital hybrid wireless. Now, everyone's going digital these days, and we're no exception. The product we just introduced at the show is 100% digital. You can encrypt the signal. And once again, though, our goal was high performance, high performance sound, high performance range, and, and solid, you know, connection. Uh, so we're still evolving. You know, we're moving beyond digital hybrid wireless into pure digital with the same kind of philosophy of design. So is that in the 2.4 gigahertz range, is there, or is that that's in the gigahertz no. range? But what? No, it's still in the the UHF range between 470 and 608 megahertz. And, so. and digital. Also? And digital. That's wow, right. Wow, that's kind of wild. Uh, okay. Those things are independent. I mean, you can use digital in the 2.4 or in VHF if you want to. Uh, you know, as long as you can find a way to make it work. But our customers expect, you know, long-range reliability and a lot of channels to choose from to avoid interference wherever they are. So that means you want a big piece of spectrum, and UHF's where you find it. Okay, that's kind of interesting. I never knew that digital actually broadcasted in that range. That's, that's certainly. Kind of neat. Yeah. So is there is is there any issue with latency when you're yes, going from is. digital to analog back to digital and you're doing all of that encoding or whatever it is? There absolutely is. And so that was one of the design criteria that we had to focus on. Right. Our digital hybrid systems have latency of just under three milliseconds, which is well below a single frame right. of, of film. So it's not an issue. Uh, when you're in live performance, usually people can start hearing latency when you get to about five or more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you definitely have to be under 10. And there are some digital wireless systems that are 18 milliseconds of latency. Oh. So... Uh, that tells you something. Uh, our new digital system is 1.4 milliseconds of wow. latency, so wow. it's extremely fast. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. What is your, um, you know, with such a high-end system, what's your distribution model? Like, you're not selling through Guitar Center and and uh, those right. types of retailers, I would expect. Yeah, we're not selling through any kind of uh, music retailers because they're really looking at a much lower price point right. and moving more volume. Uh, and our stuff is, you know, high price, low volume. Uh, so we go through specialty retailers like Location Sound Corporation or here in Orlando is TAI Audio, you know, that are catering mm -hmm. to a specific type of market. Right. And, and, and but the case of those would be film production. Uh, we sell through integrators that are doing, you know, the theme parks or large church installations, things like that. They need to be trained. They need to understand that, you know, this isn't the, the cheapest stuff. If, if they want to talk price all day long, we're not the product for them, yeah. that kind of thing. And we have a limited distribution. 
Yeah. And what about the rock and roll business? How do you get to that? Uh, those guys buy it through uh, companies like Tour Supply, okay. uh, you know, again, specialty retailers. And there's right. a few of those that we yeah. sell through. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know how expensive this is because you keep saying we're not cheap. We're not cheap. <laughs> so it's got to yeah. be. It, this is the Rolls Royce of wireless systems. It I'm is. Guessing, yeah, yeah, they started about $2,000 and right. go up from there. Oh, okay, so it's mm-hmm. not, not much higher than I would have expected yeah. you to say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exciting. So, so a couple of things, you know, in, in having used your equipment before, you have things like screw-on antennas. Uh, so as opposed sure. to antennas that are integrated into the systems, obviously... You know, having handled and used your gear quite a bit, I mean, you, it's very, very robust. I, you know, I guess uh, from a visual perspective, it's not the prettiest, but I mean, you can back over it with a freaking truck and it still yeah. runs, which is kind of neat. So in terms of range and things like that, you know, obviously the antenna links between a sure, you know, belt pack transmitter and an electrosonics transmitter, you know, the antennas are just still the same because obviously you're transmitting yeah, it has to do with wavelength. Yeah, it has to do with wavelength or so. But you were talking about range and mm-hmm. and range integrity and things like that. So, yeah. you know, how far does how much farther does a transmitter go but still stay within the guidelines? So if you're sitting there with a belt pack and you're lobbed up, is there, a, you know, a dramatic range difference between that and a, and a competitive product or no? Uh, you know, that's often an it depends question, you mm-hmm. know. RF power of your transmitter and you know in the UHF band a license holder can operate up to 250 milliwatts which is a quarter watt which will get you you cover a football stadium Uh, a lot of our systems can run at 100 milliwatts you know that's a lot of coverage Uh, most of the systems you're seeing today from most manufacturers top out at 50 milliwatts so that's one of the things like I say when I use the race car analogy it's like these are designed to win races this is professional stuff so it's the high octane gas you know what I mean it's uh, so, but we make systems that go down to as low as 10 milliwatts. It really depends. All right. Are, is, is the, is the output variable on your product at all? Or yes. so it's fully variable, but I mean, if you crank it, so, you know, you and obviously it's line of sight type stuff, right? Also. Mostly. So you, yeah, yeah. Okay. So in, you know, you mentioned Ann Hathaway being mic'd up with this. So now I'm kind of yeah. curious. So have boom mics gone away and you're use they're using the wireless as the backup or they're dual recording the, um, they're often dual recording. Boom okay. mics haven't gone away. Some right. types of shoots aren't conducive to booms because there's so many cameras covering so many different angles to get. You Are those know, like the action films and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, a lot of you? action films, multi-camera shoots. You know, they can't get a boom in there because they'll be in a shot right. somewhere. They'll be in some camera thing. Uh, but I would say that most feature film production still involves a boom mic to, okay. to a large extent. But at the same time, almost all top talent is going to be laved up. All right. And so it's some combination that they end up using in post. So in terms of, you know, you were mentioning how, you know, the audio quality of, of your wireless, you know, of a wireless transmission. Is it indiscernible between that and a microphone, truly? Uh, I would say yes. Really? And, uh, yeah. Well, and here's the other thing is a lot of times a boom microphone mm-hmm. is also wireless. And they do that so that they have complete freedom of movement. Wow. I see. I didn't so, know. I, yeah. I thought it was still mixed, you know, on, on, on the boom itself, you know, uh, on, on the jib. Yeah. Sometimes, yes, but oftentimes now it's wireless. I mean, just one example, if you saw the Breaking Bad series from several years ago, yep. 
yep. 100% wireless, 100% electrosonics, whether a boom mic or a lav, the whole entire series. And part of the reason for that is it's in New Mexico. There's dust and dirt and everything, and they just got tired of dealing with that on the cables. So they went 100% wireless. That's kind of interesting. I heard sure. meth is bad for cables, too. Meth you know, is bad for cables. Meth wears yeah, out cables yeah. badly. Any kind of drugs. Highly yeah. corrosive, I thought. You should always yeah. use wireless around meth is the message that I want to leave our <laughs> listeners with after this. If you're on meth, use wireless, and particularly highly reliable, long-range wireless like Electrosonics. <laughs> now, there's, a, there's an there's, endorsement. There you go. You just got yeah. six million new customers. Oh, yeah. There we go. Out of yeah. the trailer park. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. So history of Electrosonics. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So, so one of the first questions I'm asking, because, you know, I'm an idiot, and I, I've been saying Electrosonics. And so who dropped the E and why? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, there is an Electrosonics. That's a different company. Yeah. Uh, we're always just Electrosonics. With yeah. L. Yeah. So what does Electrosonics mean, though? I mean, is there a meaning behind that? Or? There, there is. Uh, the company started out in 1971, and the, the original products were voice amplification. So the name comes from Lectern and Sonics. Because oh, we made geez. portable battery operate or rechargeable uh, lecterns, essentially. Okay. And the idea was, you know, a traveling salesperson would have one of these things in the trunk of their car along with their products. They'd walk into a hotel ballroom and just turn it on and go. Wow. And then charge it up in the hotel, you know, the yeah. hotel room at night. And so we made voice amplification products up, up until about eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, a product called the Long Ranger was very famous. Basically, it's a, it's a high-efficiency horn with a, you know, a, a battery-operated amplifier. And those were used by marching bands, the military, right. uh, the police, uh, crowd control, movie, movie set, you know, kind of stuff. Was, was that the one with the corded spiral mic on it way back in the day and you had the battery pack on the, and then the horn kind of all mounted into like a square? Yes. Was that it? That's the VP, VP16, VP18. That's it, those exactly. The principal of my grade school. Uh-huh. Terrifying nun. She didn't really need it, but yeah. she would yell out orders on yeah. that one. Get back in class, you know. <laughs> now I remember yeah, that. Wow, we actually started with that. <laughs> and we wild. also made uh, uh, some guitar and bass amplifiers uh, based around the idea of um, the Mighty Mouse, you know what I mean? Maxi Mouse is what it was called. And those were rechargeable uh, guitar amplifiers. And those were really popular with street musicians. You'd huh. go to you know, New York or uh, Venice Beach and you'd see you know, the electrosonics. And that's the first product I saw when I worked in a music store in the 1980s was the Maxi Mouse. <laughs> and I saw that. I was uh, a student at University of Arizona in Tucson. And so I saw this thing and it's like, Made in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, that's my hometown. How cool. So it's it sort of planted the seed that, who knew, one day, yeah. you know, I would work I'm there. I'm going to work there exactly. one day. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to work so there. Is there. So is there an <laughs> electrosonics museum that you have, like a little showroom where it's there the is. evolution of the product? Yeah. You wa- walk right in the front door, and there's this wall that starts out with the uh, original prototype voice projector and mm-hmm. goes all the way into the modern products and everything. That's cool. That's we wild. always start every factory tour that way. You know, here's a history of the products. I don't suppose the original owners, founders, whatever, are still involved in the business. They're not. No, it changed hands. Uh, Well, it's it's still held by private shareholders. Okay. And many of those are company employees, like engineers. Oh, interesting. Company principals. So it's it's yeah, it's a private company. It's never been bought or sold. Yeah. Other than that, no pressure to move manufacturing. Not really. No. I mean, we explore it every once in a while, but, you know, for the types of products we do and the markets we serve, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. It's also a great story. I mean, are any of your competitors made in the U.S.? 
Not that I'm aware of. No, I, I, none that I'm aware of either, mm-hmm. certainly. But uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I love the fact that, you know, in our industry, it's, it's one of the few, obviously, the auto industry where you can have uh, sort of extremely really good products at the top end of the scale and people will still pay for that. And we've sure. spoken to several of the people over the last two days that were at the very top of the market. Like we haven't mm-hmm. talked to a lot of guys that are, you know, that, that sort of starting point in the market. I don't think we've talked to anyone like that. We've no, kind of talked to leaders in, in every yeah. uh, in every aspect of business. And um, helps the downloads. <laughs> are are you yeah. involved in racing? No. Uh, yes, actually, we are. In fact, those guys stopped by the uh, earlier at the booth. I mean, you personally, not are you a personally. racing guy? No, no oh, not okay. a racing guy. Well, no, because you keep making this racing analogy, and I was just curious if... Uh, no, I mean, I, I sometimes think in analogies and I use them to explain things, but a lot of times people say, oh, well, you know, the, Toyota does this and so on. It's like, yeah, but we're not a consumer product. Right. Uh, we're a professional product. So yeah. that's the most easy leap I can make when I'm talking to someone who wants to talk cars as an analogy. Right. It's like, I think about NASCAR. You know, we have to be in the in the winning in the you know yeah cars got to win the race. Well, no, it's a very it's a very good analogy because you know a normal car, even a sports car, has to have certain tolerances and has to be able to do certain things at certain mm-hmm. levels. But you know, a race car has to be able to do that for long periods of time sure. with great re- reliability. Exactly. And there's a big difference. And I am there in is. racing and and okay. you know have have a lot of knowledge about how that all works. And, you know, I've had really nice sports cars and I've had race cars. And although the sports car is much more comfortable and it's fun to drive around the track for eight or 10 laps, things start to break down and wear out and and become funky fairly quick, even Mm -hmm. if it's a really high end sports car, because the race car is just built to do a very specific thing for a very reliable long period of time. So, yep, exactly. You got it. So So have you ever been to this show before? Many times. Okay. Yeah. And um, this year, I mean, do you have any thoughts on... Yeah, it seems to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, You know, we just, as I was mentioning uh, before I came down here, we just introduced a new product. And so that's got some attention. What is that? And It's the D-squared digital wireless system. Okay. And so it's sort of taking everything we've learned up to now and putting it in a new system. Okay. And um, so, you know... it. NAB, I would guess, is a massive show for you guys. NAB is our number one show. Yeah. yeah. This is our number two show. Yeah. Oh, wow. And NAM? Do you do NAM? We do NAM. We started exhibiting there again just this year uh, because we've got uh, an in ear wireless, uh, in ear monitor system. Okay. And that's gaining uh, some traction, as well as, you know, as I mentioned, some rock guitar players and bass players use our wireless for their instrument. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So I didn't know that you did in ear monitors either. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, so we just came out with those about a year and a half ago. Henry, so sounds like you need to get to uh, Albuquerque. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I Absolutely. love factory yeah. tours, the museum, yeah. stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about the factory. How many people in it, square footage wise? I mean, when you're taking tours, I guess it's bigger than an 1,800-square-foot warehouse, right? It's a lot bigger than that, yeah. Okay. Uh, We have about 150 employees total, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're not very top-heavy. You know, it's not a heavy management company. It's really most people are in manufacturing, production test. You know, so we have uh, two separate buildings, uh, and we moved there in 1988 and built a building on an empty piece of land at the time. And uh, so in the main building, you've got your administrative offices, accounting, marketing, sales, and so on. And then right behind that is um, 
final assembly and testing, mm -hmm. as well as production tests where they're doing the firmware uploads and then doing you know functional testing. So is that done in a clean room, just out of curiosity, or uh, the closest thing is really in the surface mount electronics area, where okay. you take a blank circuit board and you put solder paste on it, and then you put components on it all robotically, mm -hmm. and then you heat it up so the solder melts. Uh, it's not really a clean room, but you know it's isolated in its own room. Yeah, so it's separate behind from closed all the machining, doors. and yeah. you know, so. You know, obviously you have milling equipment, and I know that makes a crap load of dirt and yeah. things like that. And there's a lot sure, of and that's in a separate building altogether. Got it. Completely, yeah. yeah machine completely shop separate. is up in our separate building. Cool. And how much? Yeah. So, one of my interests is obviously the evolution of robotics and how mm -hmm. that replaces people. Yep. So I would imagine at some point um, the company made a decision to go to a lot of robotic assembly, right? So were you part of the were you part of those decisions? So I, I would imagine the company was probably founded with what a few employees, right? It gradually yeah. grew. Handful you, of employees. Everything was done by hand. Right. Uh, all hand soldering. They had a wood shop, you know, to make the cabinets and all that kind of stuff. And gradually it evolved. They invested in more and more automated machine tooling like CNC mills. Were you early adopters of that? Uh, I don't know. I, okay. That was before my time at the company. All right. Um, in our industry, I think there's a big mixture. Um, and in terms of machine tools, yeah, we're probably fairly early. Okay, so that's kind of cool. So, so I guess all you're doing laser cutting, milling, everything else, and then you're that's bring, right. and then obviously you have a solder area, a wave solder area, and boom, there you go. So about how many square feet are you in? I would imagine. I one. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Go ahead. I'm going to say sixty-five thousand. It's probably half of that. Really? Yeah. So you guys are highly efficient. We're pretty efficient. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. So international, you sell in other markets? We do. And I was going to say one of the things that we're really proud of that I always tell the story is, you know, here's electronics made in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. 99%, 95% of it's exported outside the state. Really? And 35% uh, or so is exported outside the country. Well, so what I love is that our products are sold in Japan. You know, we're actually pretty big in Japan where their theater culture is, is very important. And uh, several years back, almost every wireless that got sold over there was electrosonics into the theater business because they really? had a spectrum conversion in Japan. Yeah. And so our stuff is sold in China, as a yeah. matter of fact. The Beijing Film Academy owns our products. A lot of it has movies to be are made. difficult to sell yeah. wireless in China. You yeah, know? imagine that. You yeah, know, so. Uh, like selling we, rice in China. We're super proud of that. <laughs> you know, just the idea that uh, electronics are sold in countries that you would say, well, that's, but that's where electronics come from. Yeah. Well, in this case, it goes the other way. Yeah. Well, that speaks to your quality. So in terms of, uh, you know, I would imagine you're involved in also Olympics, things like that, correct? And sure. The larger oh, sporting yeah. events, things like that. So from a design standpoint or from an integration standpoint, what was your most challenging, you know, so customer comes to you or you're presented with a problem hey i need to mic up you know 500 people at one time and they all need to sing and things uh, like yeah, that toughest what, project toughest yeah. yeah give us your top two <laughs> hmm. well i would say it was uh, getting into the broadway market was very tough because the, they're very demanding about the size it had to be a particular kind of connector and we knew that the products there were already very good what, <laughs> what they were using already uh but there was sort of the hint that hey you know what if it could be better and we thought this is a perfect place to take the, di the digital hybrid wireless that I told you about mm -hmm. and put it in a new form factor that was even smaller than what was there. So what problem? That you, so is it form factor only that you solved or there was, you know, obviously, you form know, form factor and performance. Yeah. So performance, because mm -hmm. I mean, these theaters are ancient, right? Bunch of concrete walls. Yeah. 
cancellations from RF frequency, you know, all that all that stuff. And it's high a, channel counts. I yeah. mean, a typical Broadway show has 48 channels of wireless mics oh, on stage smoke. every wow. night simultaneously. So I never would have thought of that, but yeah, yeah I guess that could be a big the channel issue. counts are yeah. big. And so mm-hmm. it's really challenging. Imagine, you know, in one square mile, you've got dozens of theaters and a thousand channels of wireless. God. Uh, yeah, there's well, there is overlap at that point anyway, because there's just simply not that many channels of, available, right? Yeah, so. they're, they're using uh, overlap by, you know, well, that that one's three theaters away, so we can get away with. Wow. You know, and are your design side. engineers, are those the people that are doing that, determining that? Is there an, is there a, an initial setup process for that or a, or a system guy that comes out when you do a big production like that and turns it all on and it's a combination it. but mostly it's going to be certain vendors that specialize in that market like mask sound or sound yeah. associates in new york prg these are companies that specialize in theatrical uh, uh production mm-hmm. and so they're going to have somebody who works with the people at the other company in frequency coordination mm-hmm. and same thing like on a big nfl game they've got somebody called the game day coordinator this is the guy that decides Okay, when another news crew comes in with a wireless, uh, here's your frequency. You know yeah. that that kind of thing. They have to do that. Everybody's got to be coordinated or forget about it. So there's I a lot. I never even of, knew that. Yeah, like I never of, knew there was a a line like a frequency coordinator for either theater yep. or football or any of these things. Has to that's be interesting. Yeah, that's right. That's wow. a specialization. So it reminds me of a funny story. So. Um, I was providing some lighting for a Madonna tour at one point. This was probably 2000, 1999, 2000, around that time. And um, I was in the L.A. Forum for the uh, final day or two of production rehearsals. And the boss lady uh, was there and doing a couple songs or whatever, doing a rehearsal. And so she was kind of in a... A nasty mood she didn't like the set and the set had to be redone a different color or repainted or whatever and she didn't like much and she was just kind of yelling at everybody so when she was up performing there was um i don't remember if her mic was feeding back or if it was cutting out like you know just kind of dropping in and out and she stopped everything and she started yelling at the monitor guy and she was saying, what's going on? I, I, you know, this is disgusting and I want this fixed, but using a lot of nasty words uh, as well. And he was saying, I'm sorry, Madonna. Well, why are their microphones working? Uh, Madonna or whatever they called her, ma'am or whatever. Um, they're on different frequencies. And she said, well, put me on their effing frequency. <laughs> and it, it just reminded me that, you know, of course, the artist always knows best. But in this case, it's just so idiotic, you know, like if I put you on their frequency, that's not going to work out very well, boss lady. But, uh, you know, I thought you'd find that. Yeah. Humorous. No, I mean, I'm sure you've heard many of the same types of things, but that one just kind of shocked me. And I remembered it right up until this moment. So. so is there an educational program that Electrosonics is running? So are you doing a class for these things and giving somebody the card, the licenses that you are certified electrosonics technician no not in terms of that okay. uh, that's such a specialization but we are involved with education in a number of ways uh, we often are on panels and give presentations at trade shows uh, AES in New York uh, NAM uh, here you know you name it and we also do some of these online training c- courses 
mm-hmm. as well. And then something like Synergetic Audio Concepts or SynodCon, they do a yearly wireless two-day workshop. And All right. a lot of heavy hitters come to that. Um, so that we just did that last fall. So how are you farming you know, new employees to come in? Obviously, you're in a very highly specialized business. Yeah. So what's the process for you? Know, who's your farm league? <laughs> who's your... I think it is uh, people that have been in the audio industry for a while that understand what the challenges are and they're, they've aligned themselves with professional brands like what you talked about before. And a lot of times they see us desire to work We have a good reputation. So last time I hired a salesman, basically top of the So you're not in Thanks, you never buy, but you're all 